Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. In-depth coverage and timely analysis of macro and micro happenings in crypto. Welcome to Thriller Insider. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Insider. My name is Car Car Gonzalez. Today is July fifth, twenty nineteen, and I made a discovery. I know a lot of you are thinking, like, what do you mean you made a discovery? Well, it's kind of interesting because I didn't think this was gonna happen. I thought a lot of people were paying attention to Backed and ErisX. You know, both of those are often mentioned in the same breath when people think of institutionalization of crypto. Right now, both firms are both looking into breaking into Bitcoin derivatives market with their own physically delivered Bitcoin futures product. But there are some key differences between them, most notably on full display about a month, maybe two ago. What's interesting is this particular video went under the radar. I don't see anybody else in the space covering this video. I looked at the views because it was just astonishing to me. There was only 59 views on it. 59 views for what, a, what a, I would probably think is some of the most important information about BACT, about ErisX, and about this whole institutionalization of crypto. It was amazing how much good information was in there and about where they're headed, where it's going, and what this all means for retail investors. Now, this is going to be a long-winded beginning, a middle, and an end. I hope to display, ultimately, what is ahead, what's in front of us, right? Everybody is looking right now to what BAC's going to launch here on July 22nd. It's going to be, yes, we know, a, a test bed of, of Bitcoin futures contracts, but with that, will come its rollout into everything else. So I'm going to start you off with just a little primer, right? So first up, I want to talk about what ErisX is doing. So they're looking to obtain a clearing license from the CFTC, right? And just here recently on July 1st, they got their derivatives clearing organization license, the DCO. And that allows the exchanges upcoming clearinghouse to clear digital asset futures contracts. And those contracts will be traded on the derivatives market, which is also slated for launch later this year. So ErisX is doing one thing right now. And th basically this license allows ErisX to comply with the CEA's 17 core principles, which include risk management mechanisms, allowing other procedures for member and fund protection. And of course, Thomas Chippus, he was in this talk. He was talking about all of this information. Then you also had, which was even crazier, you also had Adam White, who is the CEO of BACT. He was on the stage too as well talking. And they were all, they were all gun ho for what 
and how the retail investors in this space and the retail builders like Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini, were able to accomplish without any of, uh, of institution help whatsoever. So take a listen right now to Thomas Chippis, who is the CEO of Aerosex, as he explains what exactly they're doing and what's going on. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of ErisX. Uh, ErisX is launching a spot and a derivatives crypto exchange and clearinghouse. Uh, I came into crypto after a career in, uh, well, originally in fintech and then uh, running large global trading businesses for uh, Citi and Barclays. And uh, we're excited to launch physically delivered spot crypto uh, coming very, very soon and uh, subject to regulatory approval I guess a traditional futures uh, exchange. You know, certainly, you know, Arisex is launching with a, a physically uh, delivered, uh, fully funded spot product, uh, and that you know, the, the spot markets are regulated under uh, a different construct, the, the money transmitter construct. Uh, but we'll also be launching a physically delivered, uh, fully funded futures contract as well too. And the benefits of operating that, and we're already in a, a holder of a DCM license, so we have a license to operate a futures exchange. We're in process on our DCO. When we have the DCO, which is the clearinghouse license, will have the capability to be long spot on the uh, uh, spot side and then be able to actually use that underlying coin position to generate a futures position as well too. Today, there's a substantial amount of friction as you go through all the gateways of, well, I'm gonna take care of my spot transaction, either OTC, which is uh, an evolving and, and very uh, uh, effervescent space to transact in nowadays, uh, or you're going offshore and you're going from crypto to cash, then back into a derivative, and then back out again. There's just a lot of friction in that trade. So uh, our perspective is that by putting spot and futures all in the same marketplace uh, with uh, collateral held in the same clearinghouse, uh, we start to bring some efficiencies because I, I don't think access to liquidity is per se a problem today. I would say that to a, to a firm that we speak to, it is the complication of of moving cash and collateral around between all of these. And the fact that interbank transfers are seen as a real great development in our, in our marketplace, I think is not a mark of quality. Uh, so there's a lot of room to go there. So I think putting physical spot and physical futures all in the same place uh, starts to remove some of those frictions, which should hopefully facilitate more participants in, in greater liquidity uh, with the DCM and DCO, which uh, will be coming out later on this year. So that's Thomas Chippis, right? And I think ultimately what backed and what uh, Aerosex is trying to do is trying to get price discovery. 
you know, believe it or not, um, cash markets like Kraken, Coinbase, Bittrex, um, all those retail exchanges like Gemini, Circle, you know, over-the-counter stuff, this is where price discovery comes from right now. And BitMEX is about 20 to 30% of the daily rotational volume, right? So this is the main reason why these big institutionalized companies want to get in this space. It's because you have this institutional money sitting on the sidelines and they don't want to jump in just yet. They want that same, you know, warm blanket <laughs> that is regulation. And they want to make sure that the ordering book and matching engine is also regulated. So take a listen to Adam White, the COO of BACT, as he talks about what ICE and BACT are trying to do. My name is Adam White. I'm the COO of BACT. BACT is the uh, new venture supported by the Intercontinental Exchange that's going to launch the first, uh, our hope, are the first uh, physically delivered future for Bitcoin. Uh, prior to BACT, I was at Coinbase for the past five years. Um, and at Coinbase, I looked after our institutional products, including our exchange and uh, coverage and uh, other groups. Is that right now we look at price discovery happening primarily on, on the cash markets. And those cash markets are kind of bifurcated between traditional OTC players like Cumberland and Circle and, and Genesis, but also the, the lit cash markets like Coinbase and Gemini and, and Kraken. And I, I think those markets are really important. We wouldn't be sitting up here today if they hadn't come about over the past five to six years. They've actually grown this market to one that's meaningful and shows a lot of promise. But what BACT fundamentally believes is that price discovery is going to occur in an end-to-end -end regulated ecosystem. And that's really what we're trying to bring to market. So BACT is providing the custodial service that allows ICE Futures and ICE Clear to trade or facilitate trading in a physically delivered product. And we believe having that product traded on a regulated exchange for the first time uh, is going to be really important. And not taking anything away from the cash markets and the OTC markets, they're, they're not exchanges with a capital E. Um, so I, I think right now, most of, of that price discovery is happening on the cash markets. But what we're going to see is in time, it's going to start to switch into the futures market. And we hope BACT is going to be a core part of that. So I, I think one of the things ICE does better than, than most is that they take opaque, inefficient, generally unregulated or underregulated markets and bring them to be accessible, transparent, and, and kind of regulatory clarity. They've done it with energy. They did it with uh, credit. And now I think we're trying to do it with cryptocurrency as well. So a lot of the work that we're doing with regulators is very much a partnership. It is not a, a world where you fill out an application, you throw it over the fence, and you hope you get it back so you can launch your business. It is partnering and working with regulators to help them understand things like hard forks, what a deep chain reorg is, why one blockchain, a public blockchain, may be um, sufficient and uh, capable and mature enough to support, while another one isn't. That, that's very much the approach we've been taking. And, Regulators are, are going to move at a pace at which they feel comfortable, so they're protecting their constituents, you know, the, the public. And to, to ICE and BACT, to, to us, we look at that as something that we are going to do um, thoroughly, comprehensively, and we think is a core part of our business. 
So we keep reminding ourselves we need to move at the pace of a startup. So we need to be in this sprint mode, shipping product, hiring people, uh, continuing to execute. But we need to look at this as a marathon in the sense that uh, the winners and losers of this space are not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen over the next couple of years, if not decade, as a lot of this core infrastructure comes in. And we look at the only way to getting that core infrastructure in place is by helping uh, develop regulatory clarity. And we're in an environment right now where you have four different regulators classifying cryptocurrencies as four different things. You've got the CFTC calling it a commodity. You've got the SEC calling some cryptos a security. And then you have the IRS, which is under Treasury, calling it property. So when you buy coffee, you have to pay taxes with, you know, on your Bitcoin. And you also have FinCEN, also under Treasury, looking at it like a currency. That lack of organizational, that lack of clarity is something that we as kind of regulated entities need to work through. But, but we look at it as kind of a core to our mission and what we hope to do well. You know, one of the things that will probably surprise you is that these regulators and the vast majority of this institutionalized money that's coming in, they're worried about not the retail investors. No, not at all. They're worried about these exchanges that are currently out there right now. And I'm not talking about like the ones that are regulated here in the U.S. I'm talking about the ones that are not regulated by US. These are the BitMEXs, the Binances. You know, these are the main two, in my opinion, that regulation is looking at. But they can't do anything about it. It's out of their jurisdiction, right? But the vast majority of volume, believe it or not, 30 to 35% of volume comes outside the US, right? And I know there's a vast majority of us inside the U.S. that are, you know, trading outside of this of this country, you know, with a VPN or with something else. But this is where right now most retail investors um, that aren't fully collateralized into digital assets here in the States are going to. Right. And backed and Arisex and. CBOE, they're all looking, they're all looking at BitMEX because it is the most liquid of older books in Bitcoin. That's just a fact. Take a listen as they discuss what to do about BitMEX. valuable order book in crypto is managed by a company called BitMEX. Uh, they're domiciled in Seychelles and they operate in Hong Kong. And the amount of notional volume that they transact is probably somewhere between 20 and 30% of daily notional. 
and it is the pricing reference has the most liquidity of any order book in Bitcoin or Bitcoin-like products. And they've innovated not just the regulatory arbitrage, but also a really unique product that has economic incentives and mechanisms to keep the futures price very closely tracking some spot prices. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating um, engineering of a, a financial product. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously, BitMEX, I think, is doing uh, interesting things in this space. But, you know, the model they deploy is not the same model that participants can enjoy from central clearing and being a regulated clearinghouse and a regulated exchange. Uh, you know, the concept of socializing losses and kind of the, the mutualization of risk and things like that is very different in that space, where there, when there were some uh, kind of losses being handled on the BitMEX platform, we saw spikes in our volume at the same time uh, because people are, are getting put into risk uh, that they necessarily aren't signing up for uh, at inception. Uh, so when we look at the central clearing model, these are the benefits that customers want, uh, you know, especially someone when you're talking to the institutional players who are still waiting. Some of it is going through uh, investment committees and risk committees and new product approval, but a fundamental uh, aspect of the listed regulated venues that in the U.S. that we're looking to provide through the DCO services and the clearing services is that as a clearinghouse, we are the buyer to every seller and the seller to every buyer. We guarantee that trade, and that's not something that exists in the OTC unregulated space. Uh, so I think that's a benefit that people enjoy, and that's actually what gives, I think, a large degree of comfort to some more traditional players and institutions in making that move into crypto. Uh, so I think that's one of the largest, and I think we're kind of hearing that you know, from the, the regulated venues, uh, that that's probably still one of the original customer demands and remains as strong today that they want a centrally cleared regulated product for them to be able to risk manage and enter the crypto markets. I'd like to push back a little bit on that. I think that crypto and crypto native, uh, and certainly the future, gives us the opportunity to require less trust. I think that's the, the ultimate goal for decentralized technology. And I think there will be a way to either self-custodian or not necessarily rely on a lot of um, centralized infrastructure at some point and rely on public blockchains. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Um, I don't think when we're talking about financial transactions, we need less trust. I mean, I think that's fundamentally uh, or diametrically opposed to our viewpoint from the benefits of central clearing, because one of the things as you need to manage your risk is you need to understand the rules of the road and have a degree of certainty about how those events will unfold when you need to manage said risk. Uh, so it may be decentralized, and that's certainly an attractive aspect of the technology and the space, but central clearing, it provides the trust to get market participants to, to do these things and provide liquidity, and you need certainty at delivery. Maybe to Tim's point, one thing I like to differentiate is we kind of unfortunately bucket all of crypto together for the different processes or, or uh, things people are doing. And in one way, trading in markets may better well be served in a centralized, more holistic um, uh, framework that kind of fits in with the, the existing financial system because these products are regulated and there's there's no way to avoid that unless you go offshore. Uh, but the actual application and utility of crypto, I do think to Ron's point that decentralization can be powerful. So it is, it is this idea that if you actually want to store your own, your own crypto, you absolutely can. If you want to build an application on top of a public blockchain, you can do that in a permissionlessly innovative way. And I think a lot of great stuff will come from that. But when you really fundamentally double click on trading in markets and price discovery, I do think the vast majority of capital that's waiting on the sidelines will not come in for things like self-custody or mutualized losses via you know, no clearing. 
um, or a, an alternative clearing method, they are looking for this asset class to fit inside the bucket and the processes that they're used to, and, and that's where we're gonna see the most growth. And so that leads us to retail investors. That's you and me. That's everybody that listens to this podcast. <laughs> you know, these are the people that uh, Bact is trying to go for. Um, and they're also going for the people that aren't invested into Bitcoin or other digital currencies right now. So they're going to do this one of two ways. First, they're going to build out this uh, regulated uh, exchange and regulated order book and matching engine, right? And they're gonna launch Bitcoin, and then they're gonna try to control price discovery, or at least attempt to control price discovery. Um, at that point, they're gonna look to retail investors, right? Because they want to help with uh, doing the same things that we've always tried to do. And that's, you know, move over people that don't think like us, that aren't crypto native, that, that aren't thinking of, you know, crypto as as money as scarce money right um, they're going to do this by uh launching into starbucks this is going to happen uh, a lot of people <laughs> look at me <laughs> and laugh when i tell them that you know they're going to roll out into starbucks and allow bitcoin uh, acceptance right uh, at starbucks locations and Bax and ice are going to be the companies to do this and it feels it feels very good because they just confirmed it right now Take a listen. Very fortunate to have some very large retail uh, platforms as investors in Arisax with uh, TD Ameritrade and Fidelity and uh, Monix, the parent company of TradeStation. So we think it's very important. And we think one of the reasons that you're not seeing the same level of retail uptake in the U.S. is most people do not want to go through a process uh, of setting up accounts with an entity they're not familiar with to trade a single asset class. Um, as convenient as it is to take a picture of your license and credit card from your phone and voila, start trading, I would put to you that the majority of people that trade through platforms today, such as TD or Fidelity or what have you, are doing it because they have investments of different types for different characters. And what they want is convenience of access and the other feature set that those particular intermediaries provide to them. So albeit there's certainly millions of people trading on all these other platforms, um, there's probably people who are really, really interested in being part of crypto. But over time for this to grow, it needs to find its place in the broader portfolio uh, allocation that will be made. Uh, it, I, I don't think a lot of people have their portfolio reviewed by an RIA and are told you really need to have 5% of this in Bitcoin today. Yeah. That day may come. Uh, maybe it'll be Ethereum, maybe it'll be something else. It really is the use cases develop more than the investment case will become clearer. But uh, certainly, uh, ErisX believes that all these intermediaries actually add value 
And that's sometimes antithetical to uh, a crypto native who, who says, why would I ever do that? Well, not everyone's trying to solve the same problems or they have the same ethos, but they still might want to invest in this asset class. So we think uh, at least what we're doing enables those platforms to bring their customers in, whereas today the majority of those customers probably aren't willing to participate uh, with the tools or markets that are available to them now. This market wouldn't even exist such as it is today without retail. And so we talk about institutional because that's the next sort of frontier. But, and it's all the folks, the, you know, the, the, the nativists, the people who really believe in, in, in the, the, the inherent unique characteristics that Ron's pointed out, the decentralized nature of the, the asset that's attracted so many people in these early days. Um, all the infrastructure has to get there for more retail, and that's quite possible it'll happen. But you know, again, it's, a, a, it's early, early days. A, a missing piece I pointed out last year, and I still haven't seen a good answer for it, is research, basic information. It's overwhelming for uh, a retail investor with a day job to really know yeah. what to do here, which asset, at what point. How does it, what are the trading characteristics? Is it a risk asset or is it a safe haven asset? Like nobody knows the answer to those questions yeah. yet, and it'll come, but we're just so early. Yeah, I think the one thing I, I would add from the CME perspective is, is retail is a critically important customer segment. Uh, in 2018, our retail trading was up about 27% at CME Group, where they traded over 660,000 futures contracts per day across all of the various asset classes and product suites. But I think, I think you know, this is also something where we're continuing to focus in, not just on cryptocurrency, but other asset classes where, you know, this is probably the first time in two years I could bridge both of my job functions where we launched micro e-mini equity index futures for retail uh, earlier this week or announced the launch. But you know, to Adam's point is, I think what's interesting about the retail and that's open how you could define the retail segment is, I think what's important is when you think about futures markets and derivatives markets, a cornerstone of that is true fundamental commercial need and purpose. Uh, and I think like unlike other asset classes where that may be uh, farmers, or shippers or you know, financial institutions, um, I think what's interesting to watch is, is the retail segment going to be that commercial provider of the, let's call it the organic need, uh, you know, that provides that persona into the mix? Because you need these multiple customer personas for people to trade and to disagree on price to build these markets and, and take viewpoints. So I think that'll be interesting to watch as well. But I think it's back's perspective and mine personally as well that uh, cryptocurrency, or maybe better said, public blockchains are going to be most successful when nobody knows they're using them. So when I walk into Starbucks and swipe my credit card, I have no idea how an issuing bank, it talks to an acquiring bank with interchange, and all that happens seamlessly. It's, it's uh, transparent to me. So my thought is that as we start to find uptake with actual permissionless innovation happening on top of the cryptocurrency protocols, and we're seeing payments and remittances and information storage and value transfer happen, that flow will ultimately be driven by retail that may come in via an institution back into the market, but it's going to be retail driven. I think that's going to be a really important step function and possibly the next catalyst for what we might see as a bull market in crypto. This is exactly why BACT is built doing not just trading and markets and price discovery, but also doing the Starbucks first use case, which is here's, how, here's a way for retail commercial users to use Bitcoin and that order flow will come back into the market. Um, to me, it's not enough just to say we're going to invest a ton of money into market infrastructure and hope someone else figures out why we're going to use this. Um, to, to the point earlier that John made, if it's all baked in this assumption that in the future it's going to be worth more, but there's no fair way or kind of ubiquitous way to value it, I think we are going to see volumes continue to flatten and the price probably to trend to zero. 
because everyone's baking that in the future, public blockchains are gonna be more efficient, they're gonna be cheaper, they're gonna be faster. But it, it requires companies building actual use cases and applications on top of that. So you know, I, I tip my hat to the Coinbases of the world that are saying we're building market infrastructure, but we're also out there innovating and experimenting and trying to do things like you know, non-custodial exchanges um, and use cases. And I think BAC wants to do a little bit, little bit of that as well um, to help, I think, all of, all of our uh, companies ultimately see more flow. Overall, the launch date for both ErisX and BACT is entirely uncertain at this point. Uh, we know of the testing phase for BACT on July 22nd, uh, but as far as ErisX, uh, we just know it's going to be later this year. Uh, I would imagine um, BACT being in partnership with the regulators in the space, um, it's, it's, very, it's very likely we might see an ETF later this year. Um, and if not later this year, then it'll happen next year for sure. At least that's what I'm seeing here on my side, just from all the research I've done, just from looking at uh, some of these connections uh, with uh, backed uh, internal and uh, regulation uh, regulators in the SEC internal. They, they want to make sure that they have a stance. Uh, regulators do. Uh, but um, it's going to take some time, right? Uh, they need to have those foundations in place. They want to make sure that they're looking out for retail investors and the general public on Main Street. Um, but whether or not that get that happens or not, we're still going to see back get rolled out at some point later this year and ErisX as well too. At that point, you have uh, the uh, institutionalized uh, foundation for these uh, people with uh, a load of liquidity able to uh, onboard into these commodities. So that's what they're gonna look at, at Bitcoin as, a commodity, right? Uh, kind of in a weird sense, it, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Uh, but it, for, them, for them to make sense of it, they have to look at it that way. Um, that's why the CFTC, you know, who regulates these futures markets, granted the DCO license to uh, RSX. But overall, what RSX is doing uh, with this new DCO license, and they already have their traditional DCM license, and what BAC's gonna do later this year, along with the Starbucks initiative, everything's looking really bullish for crypto right now, for Bitcoin especially. I would say, and I've been saying this for some time, once they get this in place, once they have all the regulatory approval and this regulatory foundation, in place, right? Once you build the foundation in place, they're gonna start looking to other crypto assets. And it was interesting because I've been saying for the longest time that they're gonna to look to Ethereum. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody else talking about this. I know I've been very bullish about it. And sure enough, this is what they talked about. Take a listen.
I'd say by far I'm most interested in the protocol level developments that are happening to actually scale public blockchains. So taking a step back and what we kind of spoke about is all this infrastructure we're developing is to allow trading and markets and price discovery, but it's this huge assumption that people are actually going to use public blockchain tokens, those, those physical assets or digital assets, in the future. And I think everyone's pretty aware that right now we've seen so much growth and adoption and interest that the, the public blockchains are having trouble scaling. So whether it's the number of transactions or the throughput or the stability um, or things around governance, how do you actually manage you know, changes and hard forks, those are real challenges. So what I find most interesting are things like what Ron mentioned earlier, Cosmos, which is kind of a meta blockchain that sits on top of all the other blockchains to kind of unite them. Uh, it could be things like Plasma or Lightning, which are on and off-chain scaling solutions on, on certain blockchains. And to me, that's where there needs to be continued interest, but also continued development and funding. And what, the, uh, what Ethereum uh, recommended last week was putting a very small tax, like a fraction of a penny, on every transaction that goes to the long-term support of Ethereum developers that are actually building and improving upon the protocol. To me, if, if we lose sight of that, and we build all the layer two and layer three pieces on top of the actual protocol. That protocol is not successful. All this is, is for naught. So that's something I like to stay pretty close to and, and uh, the back team does. And I think in terms of, I mean, not necessarily a statement on CME's product pipeline, but I think just in terms of articulating the customer demand, uh, the next one that we get asked most about and most represented to us is Ether. Uh, and I think that's also why you see things like the RFI and the process and much more open discourse and dialogue uh, on that. Uh, that's that's clearly the, the the next one that we get asked about uh, the most, uh, but we're focused on Bitcoin futures for now at CME. Yeah, I was going to argue that the public statements are always the best things to observe, and the fact that the RFI for Ether went out, uh, and certainly you know, Arisex filed a, a comment letter in response. Um, Ether is the obvious one. Uh, probably things like Litecoin or other Bitcoin derivatives, most likely. And by derivatives, there I mean uh, other forms of. Just yeah. to confuse the terminology. Um, but I think you know, when thinking about some of the things that, that, that Ron mentioned, those are probably another order of just market thinking and development that's going to need to take place, but are definitely worth watching. But between here and there, um, things that look like uh, a store of value and or an input into a production or manufacturing process of something else probably starts to feel like a commodity. And so uh, certainly should be uh, up for consideration. So as you can tell, this is this is all good news all around, and this is one of the main reasons I wanted to get this out this week. Um, I felt there wasn't that much time left um, because in this space, um, there's a lot of people that are paying attention, uh, but there's the vast majority of us um, aren't paying attention in the right direction uh, that I've noticed uh, being in this space for some time. Um, the fact that I missed this whole speech and this whole conference. And when I finally looked it up, it only had like 59 uh, views. Uh, that's scary to me. That's scary to me because it tells me that the Coindesk is and the, the blocks of the world and the AMB cryptos and the Bitcoin magazine, it's telling me that they're not focused <laughs> at all 
Uh, maybe LeBlanc, I would, I would say they are, as far as institutional uh, side. They're looking at that, right? But it's, showing, it's telling me that they're not looking at everything. Uh, these different uh, outlets, they're supposed to be uh, news outlets in, in, our, in our ecosystem. They're not looking at everything. The fact that they missed this entire conference in April is just alarming to me. Um, the fact that it only has 59 views and no one's talking about it is alarming to me. The fact that uh, when the lady uh, who was doing the moderation for the panel asked the audience to ask them a question and she got this response. Great. Thank you. Um, I should open it up for audience questions. If we have any, we should. You have like an amazing group of people here. <laughs> Anyone? All that is very alarming to me. It's alarming to me because no one's paying attention. No one's looking at this from any angle other than what they see in front of them. And uh, that's scary. It's scary because I have a feeling, um, I have a feeling, and it, it's just my crypto gut, as you would call it. Um, I think we're going to be, I think a lot, a vast majority of us are going to be surprised when this happens. Uh, when when back starts releasing this stuff and they start seeing the Starbucks initiative and, and RSX starts releasing this stuff. Um, I think a lot of us are going to be surprised. I think we're going to start seeing some elevator upward momentum uh, in Bitcoin and it's gonna look like April Bulls run all over again, where it's gonna double within, um, you know, a two week window. And a lot of us are gonna be like, why is this happening? And no one's gonna know the answer. But to me, I'm gonna say, well, if you were paying attention, you would know this is all the information that was already put out months in advance with their game plan, what you just heard of how they're gonna accomplish it. Uh, they're not trying to hide this information. It's just that people aren't paying attention to the true players in the institutional space making these moves. Don't get me wrong. I, I am highly, highly proud of what Coinbase has done, you know, what Gemini has done and what Circle has done. You know, they've created these cash markets for us retail investors to get in early. Um, I think when this, when this institutional space actually gets in there and, uh, and actually starts uh, trading and, and buying these crypto assets, uh, it's gonna be up to us, retail investors, retail builders, to continue this progress in the space. Uh, it was alarming to me that um, that Bact uh, said that they were actually looking into Cosmos. Like that was alarming to me because that tells me that uh, they actually are looking at the technology and not just looking you know, at, uh, at what is, you know, not a real, true decentralized platform, right? So they're paying attention. Uh, they're paying attention to the same stuff that we're paying attention to. At least Adam White is a Bactus. <laughs> so they're looking, they're paying attention, they're, they're understanding how this ecosystem is working, they're navigating the crypto space. And I hope to bring this to y'all as well. And that's my job is every week to find something that no one is looking at, that no one's focusing on. It's kind of like this, seeing what this is, recognizing it as true, like informational gold and delivering it to y'all in this tidy little package. So you can stay ahead in all your crypto investments and know what's coming and prepare for any situation. Um, so this is going to be another episode of Thriller Insider. Thank you so much for subscribing and thank you so much for listening. 
Uh, I just wanted to make sure I got this out as soon as possible because as soon as I discovered this uh, on the 3rd, I believe it was July 3rd, I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to get this out as soon as I could. But to be honest with you, there's, um, there's a lot of information in here. And right now I'm actually looking into reading the Oxford Handbook of Financial Regulation. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a 700 page book. Um, it, it looks really fascinating, but it's supposed to kind of uh, explain how this whole financial market is regulated and reformed and developed and what they do in crisis conditions and um, how they've undergone you know exponential growth through the, the the last 30 years and of course in 2008 so I'm trying to get up caught, caught up to speed on their end because I feel like as this as back comes in as RSX comes in there's going to be a lot more uh, words and there's going to be a lot more nuances that I'm just not going to understand unless I look at doing some research and that's one of my things this weekend is to you know down this handbook of financial regula regulation and understand it, understand it better so um, yeah doing all this for y'all hopefully we can get to a good uh, good place here in the near future where this all just comes kind of second nature. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get to a place to where um, we can all see Bitcoin get to where I think it could be. And hopefully they take uh, a look at other crypto assets as well, too. It was interesting. They said uh, Litecoin, which was kind of weird. I didn't see that coming. But another reason another reason to hedge Litecoin, I guess. Okay, with that, see you later. Mm -hmm.